0: Well, we continue to, to walk through the gospel of Mark. And today's scripture is part of that, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Hear these words this day. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that, that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, And they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. May God grant us understanding of these words this day. May our hearts be open to whatever message God has for us this day. As I said, we continue in uh, the Gospel of Mark. And I want to acknowledge that it's finally here, this journey that we have been on through Mark. Easter morning, Resurrection Day. What a week we have had. Last Sunday, we talked about Jesus entering Jerusalem On a borrowed donkey. Do you remember that if you were here? The crowd waving palm branches, coats and cloaks spread on the path, shouts of Hosanna filling the air. That was just one week ago. In my sermon last week, we considered the following questions What do you need to return, and to what do you need to return? We laughed with the suggestion that returning to God and ourselves is the promise of how Holy Week would end. Monday Thursday came and many of us participated in our Zoom service of diminishing light. On Good Friday, some of us participated in the Stations of the Cross walk through our building and those stations were amazing. And we had probably about a dozen people all together that came through and walked and read and prayed and contemplated on that. And yesterday we waited, but in our congregation here, we didn't wait in stillness. We waited in preparation. When you think about it, that preparation to have our space ready, to have our outdoors ready. That's all part of that waiting. That we could come here this morning and share life together, sing a song or two, hear some scripture, pray together. All of that stuff was dependent on yesterday and the preparation that happened. Preparation physically, yes, but preparation of our hearts as well. You know, we needed to leave the the Good Friday sorrow and be ready, and be ready for the joy that is this morning. So we waited and we prepared and then this morning happened. It's Easter. The sun came up. How many of you saw the sun come up this morning? Yeah? I was up. Little Miss Penny Pup and I were outside and we saw the sun peek up. I will not tell you how early that was. See, one of the things I really realize about this morning is that last year, Easter was very different. The things that happened on Sunday morning in the last year were very different. And this year, we can gather in this place together. We can rejoice together. We spent all of Lent, you know, looking at this book called Pauses for Lent, 40 40 Words for 40 Days, And there were prayers and there were things that we did in worship around that theme. And today we conclude that journey. Those 40 days have happened. You know, I think that I will miss it. I think I will miss it. Today is a day though, we look at what comes next. We look at what comes after. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. So the story of the empty tomb is in all four of the Gospels. Each one has kind of a little different account of that first e- Easter. Some bears some similarities to each other, but there are also some interest interesting and significant differences in them today's resurrection story comes from the gospel of mark and as we've been resting in mark these weeks we found that mark just kind of moves along at this breakneck pace to get to this moment and we're here today so by the time mary and mary and salome get to the tomb on that easter morning Jesus is already gone. They don't know that as they walk that way, that morning, however, their worry as they walk along and as they approach is that the body of Jesus is not available to them. It's behind a big rock. A big boulder. Now, I don't know about you. Have you tried to move a big boulder Even two of you? Three of you? These women had a big challenge in front of them, and they were having this discussion about who will open the tomb for them. But when they arrived there, they had an entirely different problem. Jesus is not available to them because his lifeless corpse isn't locked behind a barrier. Instead, it's gone. He's alive, and might I venture to say, he's away taking care of business. Jesus isn't there because there's stuff to do. In Mark's gospel, the empty tomb is not just evidence for the resurrection. Instead, it it's a spotlight on Jesus doing something he has better things to do than wait around the tomb so the the young man sitting in there says if you're looking for him he's not here it's kind of like that administrative assistant when you arrive kind of like just before closing time and you need to talk to someone and they tell you well sorry you're too late They've already gone home for the day. This young man, and and the word there is kind of like young human rather than young man, but we'll say young man. This angelic messenger said, you're looking for Jesus? Sorry, you just missed him. You've missed him because he has moved on ahead to other pressing business. The resurrected Lord has no intention of giving us time to sit around pondering whether we believe in this sort of thing at all. Those women were told, they were given the instruction to go and tell the disciples, especially Peter. Remember, Peter was the one in some of the other stories who denied Jesus. Peter was the one who kind of had a lot of stake. And what happened here? Peter, in this story, is told by the women. The women tell them that they need to get a move on. They need to go where? To Galilee. If it's Jesus they want, they need to go tell those disciples and then head off to Galilee And what do you think it means when they're told to go to Galilee? What does it mean to go to Galilee? Galilee was like that first place where Jesus did ministry. It was at the very beginning. In fact, in the first nine chapters of Mark's gospel, they're in Galilee or around Galilee. When Jesus first emerged from the wilderness trials, it was... Galilee that he went to, according to Mark. And it was Galilee that first heard the good news of God. The good news that came in the the way of Jesus' teaching and ministry, the way of healing, the exorcism or casting out demons. This was all good news. And it all happened there. The feeding of the 5,000 happened not too far from there. They, Galilee was this place where all of this stuff was happening. And when those things happened in Galilee, a multitude followed Jesus. Not one or two or three or twelve, but a multitude So there were these these women that had come to the the tomb and these women actually, when you look at um, earlier in the Gospel of Mark, they're the ones that helped Jesus' ministry happen. They're mentioned before this. These women have been there all along. These women have ministered to Jesus and Jesus' followers all along. And they're not going to Stop doing that now. Even with the idea that there's a big stone keeping them from doing the business they seek to do that day, they gather up their spices probably, you know, myrrh and some other spices, maybe some frankincense and the things that the oils and things that they put on a body and they head out to the tomb. And they're told to tell the disciples to go back to galilee now d- does that strike you as interesting that they're told to go back to back not forward they're not told to go to jerusalem they're told to go to galilee are they going to go back kind of to the the good old days when things were were good where jesus was doing all this stuff where where the time in Jerusalem didn't happen? Are they to go back to that? Go back with the knowledge that, that Jesus has risen and, and things will be better? Is that what they're to go back to Galilee for? Not exactly. Not exactly. Because also when we think about galilee there was a lot of misunderstanding about who jesus was remember all those times when he was he would say this is what's going to happen this is who i am and people didn't understand or or tried to make him something that he wasn't and and then he told them don't go tell don't tell anyone what's happened here because it wasn't portraying jesus as who Jesus was. So going back to Galilee, back to that time might not be exactly what they're being assigned to do. Or is it? You see, there's a lot about the Gospel of Mark that we really have to, to sit with for a while. We don't have that information right here, right now. It comes in pieces. So let's kind of go back to the story. It's early in the morning. The three women approach. They're bearing these herbs and oils. They have come to comb out Jesus' hair, to sponge away the dry blood, to massage precious myrrh into his skin. They hope to engage in this ritual act the act of care for their dear friend, for their dear mentor. These are the things that are traditionally done before the body is put into the tomb, but because of the timing of Jesus' death, they had to get he- him into the tomb quickly. And so none of that was done. And I'm guessing that for these women that weighed really heavily on their heart, because it was the act of love that they did for their loved ones. So they come to anoint the crucified one, the one who they love. And they have this discussion about this the stone in the front, and they find the tomb empty. Except for this young man who sits there And they know that this man is definitely not Jesus. I know some of the other resurrection stories, There's people aren't recognizing Jesus and it ends up being him. But in this case, Jesus is not there. They are fear that their last chance, they fear that their last chance to pour a little compassion on the broken body of Jesus is, has escaped. They can't do it. They fear that they are witnessing the final insults Of this whole horrible affair. First, Jesus' life is stolen, now, even his body is taken. And you know, I wonder if they also fear that ultimately death has won. Now, remember, they would have heard those stories from Jesus that said, On the third day, I'll rise again. But in the moment of their grief, in the moment of their pain, they don't see that. They see that it's gone. So Easter for these women begins with fear. Fear that they can't get into the tomb. Fear that, that someone has taken Jesus' body. And the young man answers them. As often we hear the same answer, do not be alarmed. Do not be afraid. He said, if you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he has been raised, he is not here. Imagine the good news in that. The man tells him to look where he has been laid, and then go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. The Easter proclamation, he has been raised, he is not here. He is risen, he is risen indeed. Death does not win. And it has to be the most comforting words they can do, they can hear. But, you know, I have to ask the question, why then, after all this, are they still afraid? I mean, that's the last part of that scripture that we read today, that they're odd and they're afraid. So why are they still afraid? Any guesses? Yeah? Do they fear that the message from the man in white was a lie? That they won't find Jesus? Were they afraid that they'd been duped by the Roman government one more time? Or was it something different? Was it, were they afraid of danger or was it something different? Were they afraid that the mind bending report that they had just heard was true? He has been raised. Were they afraid that that was true? See, I, I look at that scripture and I hear they were afraid, and I wonder, I wonder, if I were in that place, would I be afraid? I mean, it's not exactly fair to compare where I am with those women because I know the end of the story. It's not exactly fair to compare where I would be or where you would be because we know the end of the story. But in that place, what do you think they might have been afraid of? Were they thinking, oh, wow, this has happened. now we have our work cut out for us? (laughs) Is it that everything we ever thought we knew is now changing? Is it that everything will be different? Jesus is waiting on down the road in Galilee, and you can bet he has plans for them, and you can bet he has plans for us. No doubt he will ask things of us the same way he challenged his disciples thoroughly mucking up their lives. Uh Uh-oh, perhaps this is the morning that the living God will grab us by the scuff of our souls and propel us us into some wild scheme. (laughs) I don't have to even think about what that might be for here because you guys have already lived it. You've already lived this wild scheme that's going to be reality in a few short months. Maybe, just maybe, Mark ends in verse 8, where he ends. And that's the one about the women um, being afraid. Go tell, and they were afraid. Maybe Mark ends that way because the rest of the story depends on us. There's some scholars that believe that that was the original ending, and there's some scholars that believe that the extra verses were added later. But I'm going to tend to think that that Mark intended it to end in verse 8 because the story was not complete. What difference does it make to you that you serve a resurrected Lord? what difference does it make to you what what risks do you take what service do you do you know something to think about so marks ending leaves us hanging with an empty tomb. And in order to go to Galilee, and when we go back to Galilee, we might see the Gospel of Mark a little differently. Maybe all those things that Jesus did you know, the healing and all of those things had something to do with resurrection. Something to do with new life. Maybe we can look at the gospel of Mark a little differently. Not this gospel that marches quickly to the other side, but a gospel that invites us to stay and see ourselves in that story. If you want to find Jesus, if you want to find God, go back to Galilee. Go to the places to see the most forsaken. Jesus is there in Galilee, healing and feeding and driving out and preaching hope to a brokenhearted world, raising people up when they're down. Where the world sees only loss and pain, Jesus is at work bringing resurrection. If you were to write the end of this story, what words might you use? Will we go home because we're afraid? Or will we go to Galilee? Will we be quiet? Or will we share? to go where Jesus goes, to speak the truth about the good news of the resurrection. I think those are our marching orders. I really do. And so this morning, we do not shout alleluia because the story has ended. We shout alleluia because the story continues. And you and I, are collaborating and partnering with God to change the world right here, right now? See injustice? See pain? See hurt? See the lost, the lonely? What's their story? And how can you change their world? You and I are the script writers of the world in which we live. You and I are the ones who are given this incredible opportunity. Where will you take this story? It is up to you. Today and always, may God. Give us direction as we step into Galilee together. Amen.